0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Joshua 7, starting with verse number 16. Joshua 7, starting with verse 16. The Bible says, so Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribe. And the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the, name, the family of Judah and he took the family of uh, the Zarahites and he brought the family of the Zarahites man by man and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man and Achan the son of Carmi, uh, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done, and hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight then i coveted them and took them behold they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it joshua's going through this tribe by tribe family by family household by household man by man and it seems as though the litmus test if you will the litmus test for where the incongruence or the trespass was was in the words that Joshua spoke here that I believe he spoke to the tribes then to the families then to the households when he said I pray thee glory I pray thee give glory to the Lord God of Israel I believe that was the litmus test for all of this with that being said this evening I want to help the Lord minister along this line worship it's that important worship it's that important hallelujah can we gather together right now our voices pray that God would help us through the ministry of his word both pulpit and pew help us tonight God asking oh Lord Jesus for your strength asking oh God for your divine guidance Lord in this place I pray, oh, God, help me, Lord, to articulate Jesus this the way, God, that you would have me to do so in an understandable manner, in an understandable fashion. I pray, oh, Lord, if anything blow, Lord Jesus, upon, Lord, the coals of worship. Father, in our life, God, again, as we would underscore and emphasize the importance, God, of this great, great thing, Lord, that we participate, God, in, Lord, that we gravitate toward. God, I love you and I'll praise you tonight for it the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. The church say amen. Shake a person's hand right near to you before you're seated tonight. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and tell them worship. It's that important. we go back to the book of beginning and we consider the creative acts of god they are a wonder awe-inspiring to consider the creative acts of the lord that each item that was spoken or each item that was formed into existence undoubtedly was by divine order and divine design the order of creation being perfectly framed, and perfectly planned. He did not, interesting to me, he did not create the fowl of the air that took place on day five without first having created a firmament on day two that was going to house and sustain the fowl of the air. He called the waters together on day three so that they might sustain the fish that he would create On day five, dry land would appear on that day three as well in order to accommodate, sustain, house, if you will, the beast of the field that would be created on day six. This wasn't just something haphazard. There was something that was thought through, that was planned, that was perfectly ordered and perfectly devised. It would almost seem. Uh, Not without, not, 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 not just coincidence, that each creative act seemed to be dependent, if you will, upon the things that were previously created. You know, the fish depended upon the water, the fowls depended upon the air, the beast of the field depended upon the earth or the dry land, insomuch that in Genesis 2. He is relaying to both you and I, and it bears record that God did not cause it to rain upon the earth because there was not a man to till the ground. That if the rain came upon the earth, then the herbs would yield for their fruit. And, and, and for that to happen, he would need a man there in order to till the ground. So the rain was withheld until there was a man for the tilling. Building upon these things. So the rain was dependent, if you will, upon the presence of a man. Man's involvement in the tilling of the ground was crucial for the coming, if you will, of rain to the earth. So one day seems to be building to a certain degree upon the next day. And I dare to say tonight that day number seven is no different. The common response to the question of what did God do on the seventh day is oftentimes nothing. And yes, he rested from his work on the seventh day, but he still did something. The Bible says that he blessed the day and he sanctified the day. So just as God created the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, The beast of the field, I believe undoubtedly he also created worship on the seventh day. The fowl depended upon the firmament. Amen. The fish depended upon the sea. The beast of the field depended upon the earth. And likewise, worship was going to depend upon what took place in the day that preceded it. Worship then depended upon humanity in order to house it in order to sustain it, in order to propagate it. Can someone say amen? We would see then further through Scripture that the command of the Lord would come in Deuteronomy 5 and verse number 12 to keep the Sabbath day, which Scripture relays is the seventh day, to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. In verse number 14 of that same chapter, he would begin to tell us the list of people and the list of animals uh, that should not work on the seventh day, because the seventh day was to be the Sabbath unto the Lord. Uh, not to work, listen to me now, to work, to not work but to worship was to keep the Sabbath day a man sanctified and holy. To not work and to worship was to keep the Sabbath day sanctified and holy. So after it was told of all the groups that should not work, all the people, not your men servants, your maidservants, your sons or your daughters, no stranger that dwells within your gates, not your oxen, not your asses, not this, not that, none of these things should work. After he said all that, he came to verse 15 of Deuteronomy 5, and in all of that he said, and, you're not to work but and remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt and that the Lord thy God brought thee out of thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God command thee to keep the Sabbath Not working was a part, if you will, of day number seven, the Sabbath day. But not just that by itself. Worshiping was the other part of day number seven. It's a Sabbath unto the Lord. To be sanctified, to be holy, how? By stopping everything else that is in your life and by concentrating, more importantly, remembering or celebrating your deliverance from bondage. Someone say amen because Israel was not always free. Israel had been in the captivity and the slavery of Egypt. And these words are coming to them after all of this understanding that on the seventh day you need to stop your work. You need to rest and you need to remember where you were delivered from. You need to remember what you came out of. Yes, rest, but don't forget to celebrate your deliverance either. You must worship the Lord because whenever you're a slave, your time's not your own. When you are a slave, the children of Israel could not go into the wilderness and offer their sacrifices in their worship to God because they were not a slave unto Him, they were a slave unto Egypt. They were a slave unto Pharaoh. So they didn't have the time necessary, if you will, to worship God because they were serving something else outside of God. New Testament scripture bears out, you can't serve two masters. I have two children, and let me tell you something. Whenever they're vying for your attention, dad, I want a glass of tea. Dad, I'd like to have this. I'm like, hold on. I can't serve both of you at the same time. For me not to serve one of you means I'm serving something else. Someone say amen. And so throughout scripture there is a close connection that is linked between our serving and our worshiping. Many times in the same breath throughout the Scripture, there are these concepts of serving and worshiping in the very same breath. For instance, this evening in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 16, the Bible says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and ye turn aside and look now and serve other gods and worship them. First Kings 9, 6, But if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Jeremiah 13 and 10, This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart, walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them shall even be as this girdle which is good for nothing. There is that close connection between our serving the Lord and our worshiping the Lord. There is a direct line. Because nothing more, our worship is nothing more but an expression of our service to God. Amen. Our worship is nothing more but an expression of our service to God. Because you will not worship a God you do not serve. You will not worship a God you do not serve. That's the reason why there was a red flag that went up among the children of Israel. Perhaps whenever Moses and some of the great patriarchal leaders looked upon the nation of Israel and seen them not sacrificing and seen them not raising their hands and and dancing and honoring the Lord like they had in times past because they knew that if they were void of worship perhaps they were void of service unto the Lord. Lord. That's the reason why they was a little nervous and wondered. I wonder what's taking place over there in that family or in that household. Because they're not worshiping God like they used to worship God. And you will not worship unless you're served. Those things, to our our scripture setting tonight, those things deemed a curse in the book of Joshua in chapter 6 and 7 were things that belonged unto the Lord. They were things that were consecrated, dedicated to the purpose of the Lord. I don't see anything concerning a Babylonian garment, a wedge of gold, and some shekels of silver that in of themselves were inherently wrong. The wrongness arises in that they belonged unto the Lord they were consecrated and dedicated to the service and the purpose of the Lord and so whenever Achan took that or could I say kept that and hid that in his tent he was keeping back something that belonged unto God he was keeping back something that belonged unto the Lord. And so he has he surprised them after their great victory at Jericho, how they walked around those walls, they shouted, and the walls went down flat. He surprised them after he goes to Ai, sends just a few men, doesn't look as great as a foe as Jericho was, and they come back with their tail between their legs, and they've been whipped. Many lives have been lost. How in the world can this happen? when we just overtook the city of Jericho? How could we just have this great victory and turn around now and have this defeat and it's not as great as a foe as Jericho was? I mean, we remember the success of Jericho, the marching around the walls for seven days, once a day, on the seventh day, seven times. On the seventh time when the priest blew those horns, the people were to shout and there was shouting on the seventh day. Due to the shout and the glorious exuberance of the seventh day, the walls fall down flat. I'll tell you why. Because victory sometimes is tied to your worship. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20, it tells of a story that there comes some people to Jehoshaphat. And they say, Jehoshaphat, there's an army. There's a group of people that's coming. The Ammonites are coming. The Boabites are coming. They're coming against you, Jehoshaphat. They're coming against Judah, Jehoshaphat. The Bible plainly tells us that Jehoshaphat feared. He was afraid because of the foe that was coming against him and Judah. And the Bible plainly says he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to respond to this type of an attack that was coming upon him but i tell you what he did do the bible proclaims in second chronicles 20 that he had all of judah to fast so they're fasting a little later the bible says that jehoshaphat sought the lord as with the house of judah they prayed they fasted they prayed before the Lord. Look, note, Second Chronicles 20, verse 13, it's not up there before you, but the Bible tells us in that particular chapter, amen, that all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. I like this. It had their families out there. They had the children out there. Husbands and wives and all the children were out there. Mom and dad's fasting and praying. Everybody's fasting and praying. They're all gathered together. And then verse 18 tops it all off. Because the Bible says that the Lord spoke through somebody and said, Jehoshaphat, don't worry about this. The Lord is going to fight for you. I've said this from this pulpit before. God fighting for you does not mean you doing nothing. God fighting for you does not interpret you doing nothing. Whenever Jehoshaphat heard that, the Bible says he bowed down on the ground and all Judah, and you know what they did? They worshiped the Lord. Whenever they did all the fasting they could do and all the praying they could do, they said, hey, come on, children. Come on, honey. We fasted and we've prayed, but now let's just go on and worship. Let's worship a little bit. And it was... (laughs) It was devised then by the hand of Jehoshaphat. He says, I tell you what, we're going to get the singers together. We're going to get the praisers together. And we're going to go forth into battle. And we're going to sing. And we're going to praise. And we're going to lift up some worship unto the Lord. We fasted, We prayed. now. Don't forget about worshiping. We're going to worship the Lord. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord. When they did what they could do, the Lord stepped in and sent and set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were coming against Judah. They were smitten. They said, hey, Jehoshaphat, God is going to fight for you, but that doesn't mean you're doing nothing. you fasted, you've prayed, and when you've done all of that, you know to do. Go on and worship God for what he's going to do. Go on and thank God for what he's going to do. And God set ambushments against the foe when they started to worship. Not when they passed it, not when they prayed, but when they started to worship. Some would say Hallelujah. Joshua, I tell you what's the deal is you're bum because how in the world could we lose at Ai and win at Jericho? It's because between Jericho and Ai, somebody in the camp has kept back what belonged to God. Because sometime here between Jericho and Ai, somebody has hid what belongs unto the Lord. You know the worship that you give isn't yours, it's God's. <laughs> he says, we got defeat with a lesser foe because you might have prayed and fasted, but did you try worshiping? Did you hold back? On, KK, oh, someone say yes. We just got to be clamorously foolish, as Bishop would say, for the Lord, and we just got to worship Him. Accompany that with your prayer, accompany that with your fasting, accompany that with your searching and seeking for God. And whenever you do that, God's going to send out the ambushments against Him. The Bible says they were smitten. Everybody say, Worship! It's that important! <laughs> The reason behind your defeat, Joshua, is because someone kept something that belonged to the Lord, hid something that belonged to the Lord. And here's the solution. Here's the solution for you, Joshua. You got to take the people, the people of Israel, tribe by tribe. You got to take them family by family, household by household, and then person by person. Listen to me, folks. And the tool for discernment would be their worship or the lack thereof. Can I have just about five people? Can I have five people help me real quick? Five people to say, I don't know what you're going to need help for, so I'm not volunteering. I just need five people. You don't even have to have that meeting. All right, that's good. Now, I don't have enough people to really illustrate this. Tribe by tribe, family by family, household by household, man by man. Gathered all, listen to me. Gathered, because the question that he posed, the question that he posed to Achan, and this, this, this is inherently intuitive, all right? I believe that he posed to all the tribes to begin with. I believe he got all the tribes together. Benjamin, Reuben, got all the tribes standing up somewhere where he could see and said, tribes, give glory to God. They started hucking in a book. They started worshiping. I know this isn't maybe the picture of it right here. (laughs) Honey, they started going. You know what? They started surveying those tribes. This tribe over here seems a little, they seem to be withholding a little bit. Judah. Look at this. Of all people, Achan was of the tribe of Judah. And they knew something was wrong when Judah's withholding praise. Singles them out. Goes household by household. Has all the households up. They're the households now. Give glory to God. And there's one right there. Stoic. Nothing going on. All right. That household right there. Separate you all. See, we're getting down fine too. Family now. Give glory to God. There's somebody over there aching. Call this one out. You got to sit down, use real good help. (laughs) Glorify God, Aiken. Glorify God, Achan. And in the same breath, he says, why don't you just go on and tell me what's going on, Aiken, in your house? Because Achan had difficulty worshiping. They can conclude that it was Achan because Achan had problems worshiping. Listen to me. Because we will refrain from worshiping a God that we're not willing to serve. Understand me. We will start refraining from worshiping a God that we're not willing to serve. Okay, let me save this. You know why for this 20 some odd years that Bishop pastored the assembly around here, why he constantly harped on that idea, worship and praise, worship and praise. You know why? Because as a pastor, he got very nervous whenever people was a worshiper, transitioned to a place of not being a worshiper. Because you know what? Biblically, that was telling him there's somewhere in their service to God that's starting to fall off, starting to drop off. They're not worshiping like they used to worship and Worship's an expression of their service, and so if their worship ain't to power, maybe their service isn't to the power. They may be on their way out, or maybe they got another master. No, no, no. Remember, worship was directly connected with their deliverance. They worship on that seventh day because they've been delivered from bondage. And whenever they wouldn't be worshiping, it begs the question: Then are they coming back under the bondage? another are they grown into captivity are they being put in shackles and bonds we must worship because yes it is that important Uh Huh? refrain from worship good indication that you're not willing to serve whatever it is being worshiped case in point Daniel 3.12 Daniel 3.12 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Bible story from our youth up the Bible says that God and that thing was made that Nebuchadnezzar set up whenever the music was played asked for everybody to bow down and worship did not worship going to meet the furnace music was played hundreds of people worshiping And their worship was an indication that they were serving. But there's three standing out there that's not moving a muscle. And their lack of worship of that showed that they didn't serve that. Because the Bible plainly says in Daniel 3.12, here's the report then about what all took place. They said, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego these men O oh king have not regarded thee they serve not thy gods how do you know they don't serve his gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up that guy knew I'm without doubt, that king they're not serving your gods because I didn't see any worship in them Do you understand what we're portraying? What we're giving forth to the king of glory, to one another, to our church, to our community around the world, whenever we withhold and keep back the thing that belongs to God, which is worship, we're telling everybody, maybe my servitude to the Lord isn't quite all mocked up to what I've said it is. Honey, but whenever you come into his presence with thanksgiving and to his gates with praise and adoration and you worship, someone says that right there is somebody that's heart on fire full of faith and power for God it is that important yes it is this so what happens then God admonished Moses in the Old Testament. He says, you go into the court of Pharaoh. You tell Pharaoh that God says, let my son go, that he may serve me. What are you going to do, guys, when you take that three-day journey into the wilderness? What do they want to do? They want to take that three-day journey into the wilderness. They want to serve, sacrifice, worship God. So what's Pharaoh's response to the matter? I'm going to make you labor. But now instead of everybody else gathering the straw for you making the bricks, you gather your own straw. He says, because I'm going to make this work a little bit more vigorous, allow it to take more of your time so that you can't pause and go anywhere in worship. Israel's worship was always directly tied to their freedom, their deliverance. Lack of worship may indicate a newfound burden of bondage. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 4, whenever Jesus is going through his temptation in the wilderness, one of those temptations in Luke 4 and verse 7 that the enemy had for the Lord, he said, if thou therefore wilt worship me. Jesus, if you'll worship me, if you'll worship me, Satan, all shall be thine. And Jesus' retort in verse number 8 was this and Jesus answered and said unto him get thee behind me Satan for it is written thou shalt everybody say worship the Lord thy God in him only shalt thou serve he says I'm not worshiping you because for me to worship you would somehow materialize and spell out that I'm serving you that's how closely knit worship and service was hope I'm making some type of path in our mind tonight. Our worship for God is more than just about a hand raised in the air. It's more than about a pretty hand clap. It's more about just enjoying the lyrics of the song and the beat and the flow of the beautiful music around here. It's about showing our service unto the Lord. Amen. Showing our service unto the Lord. And the lack thereof would show our disservice unto the Lord. So I want to enter in here and I want him to know without a shadow of a doubt are the only one God. You're the only one God. There's not another. My service is to you. My allegiance is to you. My heart is yours. My life is yours. The facilities of this body. It all belongs unto you God. I don't want to keep back something that belongs to you. I don't want to hide or subvert something that belongs to you. It's yours. It's yours. Belongs unto you. I won't keep you much longer. Worship. Is that important? I feel like I still got some people in the balance on about the importance of that. Is that important? Mm-hmm. Because if you go to Romans, the book of Romans, and if you were to go to chapter number one, you would come through the verses of the book of Romans littered throughout there in the latter passages, the latter verses of that book, he would begin to read some unimaginable attitudes, some unimaginable actions. You can read of them in Romans 1. Such things as how a person would be filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, Wickedness. I didn't think I was going to read these by the wheel. Covetousness. Maliciousness. Full of envy. Sister Jessup. Murder. Debate. Deceit. Malignity. Whisperers. Backbiters. Haters of God. Despiteful. Proud. Boasters. Inviters of evil things. Disobedient to parents. Without understanding. Covenant breakers. Without natural affection. Implacable. Unmerciful. Wow, that's quite a list. Some of those attitudes and actions are... You know what, maybe at this stage in the game, totally unimaginable. Worship, it's that important? Uh Uh-huh. Why? Because the fountainhead, the fountainhead for those things that I just named, had their contributing factor. Listen to me very clearly. Had their contributing factor in verse number 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. what the fountainhead was, the source of beginning and origin for the whisper and the backbiter at the end of the list is because they got to a place where they failed to worship God. Unnatural affection, homosexuality. You know where it got its origin from? People get in a place where they lacked in worship to God why is that so important because if they lack to worship God they're worshiping something because mankind is made with this innate desire force to worship he will worship he just changes the object of his worship and so we read over this list man that's unimaginable bless God I would never do that you better check your worship barometer It's that important. I doubt for one moment. Akin never thought in his life of being of the tribe of Judah. Oh, and I'm going to serve the Lord and my family. Oh, yeah, yeah. Probably never thought someday he would be withholding something that belonged to God that was going to cost him his life. But the end of the story is that it did. Stand with me tonight. I just recently, just recently was hearing Pastor Jeff Arnold preach to his home church. He's down there in Gainesville, Florida, Gator country right down there. And uh, he said, he said, folks, he said, I have, I have no problem with your lack of involvement or you complain about our hour and a half service. he says if you'll go over there to the Gainesville Stadium for the Gators he said a lot of those games last four hours and he says I happen to be privy to the knowledge that uh, those tickets most times start around 70 bucks and go upward and uh that the decibel level sometimes in that stadium reaches levels that scientifically that the human ear shouldn't be exposed to for long lengths of time. I'm not against those things. You guys know that. My question tonight is our worship or lack thereof worship is a very telling fact factor more than just that I'm tired if it's a persistent lifestyle it could be just a discerning tool that we're withholding something that belongs to God we can just bow our heads in this place this evening I want to be able to enter His presence. And there is an uninhibited expression, worship of my service to God. I want to be able to overcome and make it through the AIs in my life or even the Ammonites and the Moabites that Jehoshaphat faced sometimes that means my praying my fasting into the Lord but please don't forget about worship please don't forget about worship worship is a sign it's an indicator of your deliverance from bondage and for it to wane may indicate you suffering through some bondage again if that's the case get set free if that's the case let those shackles be torn asunder again because I can tell you plainly tonight that it does as a man of God it does as a pastor of a watchman on the wall to survey a congregation you we have this good vantage point of a platform that if over history and a period of time somebody's worship begins to wane or it begins to fade or it's not to par with what it once was it worries me as a pastor because I'm thinking God are they coming under bondage again God, are they coming under bondage again? Is their service to you like it needs to be? Because if so, their worship is a self-expression of that service that they would have. These altars are open tonight. and I know that that's a very, you know, it's a very vulnerable place. You talk about stuff like that. Bless God, if I go forward and pray, everybody's going to look down on me. I wish in, in the, the faith that we would just get over that type of thinking and say, who cares? this is me and God and i just want the lord or maybe maybe your person maybe you've just been wavering a little bit you know not quite to par like you used to be to par and you're just saying god i just want to reaffirm some things and i just want you to know that my service is there and i'm going to let that be expressed by my worship i let that be expressed by my worship. I'm not going to withhold anything that belongs to you. I'm not going to hide in my tent something that belongs to you. Because I know there are some other battles on the horizon. And I don't want to shake my head after it's all said and done. think, my goodness, where did the success of this battle go? We might need to turn our life and consider the worship. Where's our worship? Where, is it there? Is it not there? Are we in service to the Lord? Are we not? Because there is a great tie between our worship and our service to God. Brother McGee, I've still been praying and fasting. That's great. But don't forget worship. Don't forget worship. Praise and the singing start taking place. And he says, come on, we're going to put some ambushments over here by the Moabites. They're about ready to attack my people. But they've been worshiping. Whoo! They pledged their allegiance to me through their worship. Go on over there and take care of it. Smite them. Smite them. Smite them. Worship tonight. It's that important. That important. Thank you for listening If you would like more information About our services and activities You can find us on Facebook, Instagram And Twitter with the username F-A-C-M-C Again that's F-A-C-M-C Thank you and have a blessed day